Lord God, um, that you open our hearts to scripture and that we may be able to learn from today's sermon. So the scripture today comes from Luke 17, um, verses 11 to 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And he was going into a village. And as, as he was going to a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a, large, in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he said he... One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. May God's word shape us and form us. So we are continuing in our series, like I said, on prayer, and it called Teach Us How to Pray. And... Basically, we're going through scripture and pulling out various prayers um, in the Bible passages and breaking them down and seeing how they could teach us how to pray. And I don't know about you, but I really need to learn how to pray. I believe that prayer um, is both a gift and a skill and uh, a a choice of intentionality. And um, it's something that we do as lifelong learners that we learn for a, life, for a lifetime. And uh, I've had various seasons of prayer, of ups and downs, of abundance of prayer in my own life, prayer life, to the desert period where I'm not praying at all. And uh, I can tell you for certain that the times that I'm praying abundantly, more frequently, my heart, my soul, my spirit is more uplifted, um, is more attuned, attentive, both to God and to my fellow human beings, to my family, my wife, my children, my friends, my church. And when I'm in that period where maybe perhaps I'm running from God or I just don't want to talk to God, um, it can be kind of heavy. And uh, so prayer, we're learning about prayer. And I'm no expert on prayer. I'm not here to give like a lecture on prayer and then we're going to break it down and let's pray. Uh, I'm on this journey together with you guys. And uh, the scripture is there and the scripture with the Holy Spirit will speak for itself and also transform our hearts as a community as we pray corporately as a church. Amen. Are you with me? Uh, So Jesus, it says, is traveling along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And if you remember Galilee, Nazareth and Galilee is where Jesus is from. And it's to the north of Samaria. And to the south of Samaria is Judah and Jerusalem. So Jesus is from Galilee. He's traveling along the border of Galilee and Samaria down to Jerusalem. And we know from, maybe you've heard a sermon on the Samaritan woman at the well. You heard that uh, the Jews and the Samaritans had some animosity. Jewish people would not walk through Samaria on the way to Galilee, for instance. They would go around Samaria. And so Jesus is along the border. And this, even physically, this kind of, it's it's a small detail, but for me it kind of illustrates something. That Jesus is on the edge. Right? Between home, what is home, 
And what is Samaria, right? The people on the edge, right? And I can imagine that there's a swirl and a mixture of demographics, Samaritans, Galileans, Samaritans and Galileans put together, and, and there's a hustle and bustle on the borderlands, if you will. He's on the borderlands. And from these borderlands, as he's walking along the border, he hears this loud shout, a loud shout of 10 men, 10 lepers, right? And I don't know, it's, it's kind of weird to think about 10, 10 men shouting out simultaneously. Was it like one guy was shouting out, or were they all in a chorus, or they were harmonizing maybe, a 10 part, right? <laughs> Jesus! Right? Whether it's 10 or one person, or one person was representing all 10 people, they stood at a distance, right? They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And I think here, proximity in this passage is really important. As we go through, you'll see distance and closeness, distance and closeness as Jesus is walking along the border between what is near and what is far, right? Between people who are far and people who are near. It says that these lepers stood at a distance and said in a loud voice, Master, have pity on us. And this is a prayer. Master, have pity on us. Master, heal us. Listen to us. We're desperate. We need your healing. We need your attention. We need your eyes to focus on us. Please, God. Have you ever been on your hands and knees at any point in your life and shouted out your prayers to God? Right? We don't, it's not common, at least for me, to shout out my prayers out loud in a loud voice. Maybe I'm bowing my head and whispering, right, like a breath to God. But shouting out, you have to be pretty desperate or you're an extrovert to just really shout out your prayers to God. Right? And there are times that we've been in that place where we're on our hands and knees and you can feel the tears flowing uncontrollably. It's natural. You're not faking this prayer. You really are desperate. You really are asking God Have mercy on me. Listen to me. God, if you're up there, I really need you right now. Have you ever been in that place? Raise your hand. Shouting out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. That they stood at a distance makes sense because they were lepers. And lepers in that period were considered unclean. Right? And so they were ostracized. They were outcasts from the normal community from the regular community and had to set up outside of the city. Anytime they were amidst a crowd, if people were approaching, they would have to yell out, unclean, unclean, to make sure that people avoided them. And so they're standing at a distance. There's physical distance between them and Jesus, and there's social distance. There's emotional distance. There's communal distance from the lepers and Jesus. And yet they reach out in their desperation, in their cry for help, they reach out to cross the boundary, right? To extend past the gap. How does Jesus respond? In verse 14, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. I'm trying to figure out what 
Like, were they clean? What does they were cleansed mean? Were they healed right away, like the sores on their skin? Were they healed, right? And their skin kind of became smooth again? Was it something in their heart that was like, man, I feel transformed, I feel cleansed, I feel purified? Or were they just going on Jesus' word, right? He said, he said, go show ourselves to the priest, so we're going to go. We do know that they do listen to Jesus and start going to the priest. But as they went, they were cleansed. So this healing process happened on the way. So I imagine there's some amount of obedience, some amount of faithfulness. And that's true from us, for us, right? We pray and we don't always have an answer. We pray and we don't have immediate effects. This is delayed gratification times 10 sometimes. Right? It's not a microwave world, the kingdom of heaven. We pray and then we are asked to be faithful, to take steps, to go, to go where God says go, to go where Jesus says go, as if it were going to happen, as if Jesus is faithful. Amen? So they went, and as they went, they were cleansed. And Jesus understands that they need to be restored, right? That disease and brokenness in this culture was not just about, or in any, for human beings. It's not just about being physically broken. Physically, your skin is unpure. Your skin has boils on it or whatever. But healing is also a rest, about restoration in the community, right? There's social, religious implications here. That it's the priest in the temple who declares someone clean again, right? You go and wash yourselves and are purified at the temple, and the, temp- and the priest says, you're cleansed, you're clean. And this is why Jesus, not contra the temple system, but encouraging them to go to the temple, go to the priest and, and be cleansed and, and show yourself to the priest so the priest can say, you can go back. Jesus is interested in the whole, a full-bodied, a holistic healing, right? Not just the physical, but the social and the religious. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. On the way, they were cleansed. Then it says, verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he said he was a Samaritan. And imagine a parabola. You guys know what a parabola is? It's like in math, you have that kind of curved V-shaped thing, right, on a graph. And imagine a parabola. I don't know if there's a name for a sideways parabola, but it's turned on its side with the point that way, right? So it's like this. And that's what I see going on in this passage. Right? Jesus meets the ten and he says, you're clean or go show yourself to the priest. The ten go and on their way they're cleansed. And they're going, they're going to the temple. Right? And for nine of them they're done. They're like, We've come to the point. But on the way, one, one man, seeing that he was healed, comes back, turns around, 
and comes back to Jesus, shouting again loudly and prays. Right? And so you see this man drawing closer to Jesus. And interesting enough, this man throws himself at Jesus' feet. He touches Jesus. They were at, at one time, they stood at a distance. This man touches Jesus and he's worshiping Jesus. He's praising God and he's shouting in a loud voice. And folks, one thing I want us to hear is that worship, praise, and prayer go hand in hand. Right? Worship and praise is a response to God. On the one side, we're responding to God regardless. We respond to God because of what we know. We know that God is faithful. We know that God is good. We know that God is worthy to be praised. We want to glorify God in the temple with our voices. We want to glorify God in the church. We want to clap our hands in the sanctuary. We want to lift him up. We want to cry out to him. Right? That's praise. Those are things that we know. And sometimes even when we don't feel it, we come and we praise. That's ritual. That's tradition. That's repetition. Right? That's obedience. Because... In the doing, we actually become. And that's why we come here together and worship every Sunday. Not because we necessarily feel it, because we know it. And we do what we know, and when we do what we know, we become. Does that make sense? I know that was kind of confusing. But, as worship is a response to God and who he is and what he's also done and is doing in our lives... So if you have been healed or you have received, you've been transformed and changed. God has been abundant in your life. God has given you good things, a home, a clothing, children, um, whatever it is, healing. You're here in this place and you give praise and response. Thank you, God. I'm so amazed at your love for me. So we thank you, God. We thank you, God. In that way, gratitude is a response to God. It's recognizing the source, recognizing the man, recognizing the God who's done these things for us and turning back to praise. There's a reciprocity. This is what this parabola is what I call the reciprocity of praise, right? Jesus does this amazing thing. We go and we are restored, but we realize it was Jesus who did this for us. It was God and the natural response is to say, like a kid on Christmas Day, thank you, Seth. No, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what we did, what you did. And this is what the man is doing. He's coming to Jesus who has healed him. So our worship and our praise and our gratitude go hand in hand. Right? And so does prayer, that a way that we can pray is to pray the prayer of gratitude. Gratitude completes the full circle of prayer and relationship. It's It's not just, God, give me this, 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 woo! 
right? It's God, give me this, give me this, give me this. Woo! Woo! Thank you, God. I praise you, God. How many of you have seen the movie Father of the Bride? It's kind of an old movie. Father of the Bride. It's classic. Steve Martin. Is it Steve Martin? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and his daughter, he's doing all this work to prepare the wedding for his daughter. But all along, he's like processing this. Oh, I'm going to lose my sweet daughter. Right? She's going to move away, and I'm so sad. And they're going to move to a different place. Right? And at the end of the movie, everyone's throwing up glitter and bubbles and stuff as, they're le- as the, f- the bride and the groom are leaving. His daughter is leaving. And he's just there. Everyone's chasing them. And he's just there sitting on the steps. And he's just alone. Like, my daughter's gone. No, the, no one's thanked me. Nothing. And he's about to cry. And then, this is the tearjerker. And then the music turns. And his daughter's coming back. And she says something like, thank you, Dad. I love you. Right? And he's just like, ah. <laughs> right? That turning back to the Father and recognizing, returning and saying, thank you. And, you know, gratitude is not just something that automatically comes because of a turn of fortune because of good luck or good circumstances. Actually, gratitude is intentional. It's a choice. It's a choice we make to say thank you. It's a disposition, a place in the heart to to turn, almost like repentance, the act of turning back to God and recognizing that God is the one who gives and heals. Amen? Amen? Thank you. And we need to do this more in our lives. And it's hard. And some things you can do, once again, the prayer journal, right? If you keep a prayer journal, you can write down things. Like, take 10 minutes and write down things that you're thankful to God for, right? In a list as fast as you can. And you will be amazed. If you start your day with gratitude, you'll be amazed how amazing your day will be. How full of praise your lips will be. How full of joy celebrating you'll be. To live a life of gratitude and thankfulness. So this man turns in verse 17. Jesus asks, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? As no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner. And there's the other piece. This man who turned back to praise was a Samaritan, was a foreigner. Right? And he understood that it wasn't just this piece, this piece, the social piece of being recognized in, in the temple by the priest as being cleansed. It was also the relationship, right? What did we say last week? It's not the thing. It's not just the promise. It's the promise and the relationship with God. It's the promise and the presence, right? And this is something this foreigner understood. I got the thing, right? Or maybe he turned around because he's like, I don't go to the temple. <laughs> like, I'm just a Samaritan. <laughs> so he's like, oh, where are they going? <laughs> I'm going to turn around and go back to Jesus. <laughs> maybe that's what I'll, um, I'll jot that down for next time. Um, so he turns around. Then he said, rise up, go. And this is like, what? 
Your faith has made you well. Hold on a second. Is there like, how many healings have happened yet? Are there like three healings here? He tells them to go to the temple. On the way, they're cleansed. In the temple, nine of them will be restored by the priests. This man turns around, already having been healed and having seen himself be healed and thanking Jesus for being healed. Jesus then says, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. There's another type of healing that happens here. Another type of restoration. And, um, you know, commentators and people kind of work with this passage. They're like, are there two healings? What's Jesus doing here? Was he not really healed before? Um, I think Jesus is in the business of fully restoring people. Like wholly restoring people. Not just in body, not just socially, religiously, but the covenant, right? The full relationship with him. You're mine. You came back to praise. You fell at my feet. You worshiped me. I belong to you. You belong to me. You're healed. You're restored. Besides, could you imagine the years and years of living as an outcast, ostracized? Like when was the last time someone touched this man? And if you've done any research on touch and the healing power of touch, right? Or babies that are born and are held by their mothers and are touched by their mothers versus there's not an immediate connection. There's a lot in terms of development and formation and security, inner security, right? Emotionally, Jesus is still, was still healing this man, right? Emotionally, right? Through touch, through relationship. And we gotta take that full journey we have to recognize who is healing us, who is a part of our life, who is the power in our life, who is the one that we belong to. We need to continually come back in praise, come back with gratitude, come back with thankfulness. If only because we don't know if he's done yet, right? It's like putting a turkey in a microwave. The outside's good, but... Who knows what's going on inside? It could be raw and it could be still frozen, right? Make sure you stick with Jesus because he's got more to do in you. Amen? Amen. Your faith has made you well. Uh, You know, when I was uh, in college... Uh, I wrestled with my identity, you know, you, for the first time you're away from home and you're in a new place. I went to Whitman College in Walla Walla, Washington, away from home. A lot of people there were like of privilege, of wealth, you know, had established families. I was kind of bounced around. We moved around a lot and 
And I just went there and I didn't have, I didn't feel like I had the same connections or I didn't feel like I had the same kind of foundation, family foundation, or even culturally, what does it mean? I was starting to ask questions. What does it mean to be Asian and American, Korean and American, Korean in the States? And uh, I was just coming into that awareness and running into a lot of depression and, uh, you know, not knowing where to talk about that or tell people about that and relationally having kind of problems. And, uh, you know, there was times I'd go to, you know, uh, I was part of InterVarsity Christian group. I'd go to Bible studies or worship times and I would just be upset or feel on the outside of things and just have to run away, right? I would just wanted to be mad and outside of this group. And so I would just, in the middle of worship, just, if you just imagine someone just getting up and stomping out, right? And if there are doors, just pushing the doors open and just leaving, right? And then looking back to see who was following me, right? Uh, and one time I was, I had done that, and I was running across Ankeny Field, which is a big play field in the middle of campus, and I was booking it, and I was stopped short, because right in front of me in the middle was this, you know how you randomly see a dead crow, or, you know, maybe a cat had gotten hold of it? There was just this black wing, this ripped off, just alone, just this black crow's wing in the path, and, uh, um, God's message to me in that, you know, as I processed it, was you need me and you need my community in order to fly. Otherwise, you're just a broken wing. And that's always stuck with me, right? And to turn back around that day and run back into worship and have people pray for me, right? That that was a good decision, you know, to turn back around and to turn back in praise and know that in the arms of Jesus, he will complete the work. And that's what we do in prayer. Not only do we shout out Heal us, help us from a distance. But Jesus wants to close the distance. Right? He stands at the borders, wanting to come closer to his people, his children. And so come back and praise and say, Jesus, thank you. Fall at his feet and let him continue to do the work he's going to do in you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your healing power. Thank you that you are constantly there, available to us, that we have access to you through the Holy Spirit, that we have access to you through your church, that we have access to you through friends, through your, through your saints who are there to love us and to heal us to pray for us and that you are longing to hear from us. And when we cry out to you, just as you've done to you, with your people all through your scripture, that you answer the cry and come closer to deliver. 
And we pray that we can remember the things that you've done for us in the past, that all of us have testimonies and stories of the ways that we were broken and and needed your uh, saving power and your healing. And you delivered us. And maybe we forgot. Maybe we kept going happy on our way. Help us to remember your hand at work in our lives and to turn back in praise that our singing and our jumping and our dancing and our falling at your feet would be fueled not by something fake or false, but be fueled by true gratitude through intentional desire to say thank you. We lift these things up in your precious name. Jesus, amen.